0: On. I'm
1: busy. Tonight on Ithaca Now. Look,
2: there goes the
1: game. Cornell administration and student groups are responding to a possible hate crime that happened last Friday.
2: I contacted uh, Ithaca Mayor Savanti Myrick, and uh, he confirmed to me that, that they were investigating uh, a possible hate crime in College Town, in which a, a black student had said he was. Uh, called the N-word and assaulted.
1: Free speech activist Mary Beth Tinker visited Ithaca this week and talked about the importance of First Amendment rights.
3: This is a way of life to stand up and speak up when something's not fair, when something's not right.
1: And WICB takes a tour through the history of one of the classic bars on the Commons.
0: It's really crowded.
1: All that and more tonight on Ithaca Now.
4: Good evening and welcome to Ithaca Now. I'm your host, Elena Peach, and thank you for joining us. For tonight's show, we're having a live in-studio interview with Tisha Bohr. She's one of the organizers for Cornell University's Science on Tap series, a monthly event where community members can get informed about the latest research and technology updates at Cornell University. But first, we'll turn to Will Carlson and Hannah Brasinger with this week's Community Beat.
5: After a number of racially charged incidents on the Cornell University campus, the school's student assembly passed a resolution that condemns hate speech and violence. The resolution also included a series of demands, all of which must be met by the end of the fall semester. The student assembly passed the proposal with near-universal approval with a single abstaining vote.
3: The Museum of the Earth's latest exhibit kicks off this weekend and invokes the beauty of space through a multimedia body of work. The exhibit, created by artist Mary Edna Fraser, is entitled Mapping the Planets in Silk and Sound and incorporates silk, wax, and dye to form images of celestial bodies and galaxies. The exhibit will be running through April 2018.
5: A resident of Ulysses is being indicted in Tompkins County Court after police found him in possession of multiple forms of child pornography. Reports state Chad Carr voluntarily surrendered evidence to police officers after they arrived at his residence on Thursday. Carr was arrested on five charges of possessing a sexual performance by a child, which carries a sentence of at least two years per offense.
3: Ithaca's latest road reconstruction project has recently received backlash from West Hill residents. The reconstruction project aims to improve traffic flow between West Hill and downtown by widening sidewalks and adding bicycle lanes. According to messages received at West Hills Listserv, many commuters traveling in vehicles feel that their needs are being ignored in order to accommodate those traveling by bike or foot. A Board of Public Works meeting will be held this Monday at Ithaca City Hall for opponents and advocates alike.
5: The Ithaca Police Department has been staying busy over the past week, issuing over 100 tickets for cell phone use while driving. This shows a dramatic increase in the number of tickets usually issued by the IPD, with an average year seeing roughly 200 tickets written. According to reports, more than half of these tickets were issued to drivers who were texting.
3: Ithaca College is hosting an upcoming visit from best selling author and award winning journalist Ron Suskind. The event will be hosted in Ithaca College's Emerson Suites on Thursday, September 28th. In addition to the speech, Life Animated, the Oscar nominated documentary based off of Suskind's memoir, will be screened in Park Auditorium on Ithaca College's campus on Tuesday. Both events are free and open to the public.
5: For Hannah Bressinger, I'm Will Carlson. WICB News.
4: The racial controversy at Cornell University continues after a student of color was assaulted on campus. WICB News Director Peter Cimpelli has the update.
1: (coughs) That silence? That's from a sit-in protest that Cornell's Black Students United Group held at a university assembly meeting. The protest was in response to a possible hate crime that happened in College Town last Friday. Nick Bogle Burrows is the city editor for the Cornell Daily Sun, and he's been the main reporter on this story.
2: On September 15th, uh, early on that Friday morning, police responded to Eddy Street in College Town at about 1:30 in the morning uh, and arrested uh, a Cornell student. Um, the uh, victim uh, told me.
1: Nick says the victim of the assault was near his house around 1.30 a.m. after a party.
2: Um, And was coming back to his house and saw uh, a group of people who he didn't recognize, who he knew didn't live there, um, arguing with his friends and kind of shoving them at one point. And uh, as they're leaving, uh, they uh, yell expletives and uh, the N-word at uh, this
5: student who is... uh, uh, black and a junior at Cornell.
1: After the victim uh, heard the racial uh, slurs, he confronted, confronted the group them. and told them to uh, say it to his face.
2: According to the student, he, uh, they, they, a group of four or five white men
1: began punching him in the face. This student was arrested, and Mayor Savante Myra confirmed soon after to Nick that, that they, they were
2: investigating uh, a possible hate crime in College Town, in which a, a black student had said he was uh, called the N word and, and
1: assaulted. And this is the current legal status of this case. The Ithaca Police Department, over a week later, says they're still investigating whether this assault was, quote, racially motivated. There's a hearing on September 27th, Wednesday, to determine this. The police have to look. The police have to look into whether there is evidence that this is a hate crime. But student groups like Black Students United at Cornell are past that.
2: The Black Students United group, um, they declared a state of emergency for black students on campus.
1: The BSU declared a state of emergency. Black and then they're sitting.
2: Led to the university assembly uh, telling the codes and judicial committee to um, review a potential hate speech clause to the code of conduct.
1: So administration is reviewing the code of conduct, to, but they could come the back with any proposition. From says. saying that hate, hate speech,
2: speech is free speech, they could propose banning hate speech. They could do a wide spectrum of things.
1: The BSU's activism is working, and they're now waiting for a response from the administration. But to many student organizations, this hate crime incident is just another sign that Cornell needs a drastic change with approaching bigotry and hate on campus. Many students have said that the people that assaulted the victim were members of Psi Upsilon, an underground fraternity at Cornell. And just two weeks ago, members of the Zeta Psi fraternity chanted, let's build a wall around the LLC. Student groups now are saying that these two incidents are a call to address how members of fraternities and other students are punished for these actions.
2: So, you know, I mean, these, these things do happen, and with the turnover every four years of students, maybe it's a little bit easier um, for people to forget that these things happen. Speaking with um, the injured student himself, um, he told me that it was basically he felt like it was a matter of time until something like this happened to him. He said it's just another reminder that things like this happen in America. He said uh, every time that he uh, saw some, someone, uh, something like this happen to someone, on TV or on the news or something, he always felt like it could be him, uh, he said, because uh, it was happening to people who looked like him. It was happening to people of color.
1: This story will be updated on next Sunday's Ithaca Now. For WICB News, I'm Peter Champelli.
4: Mary Beth Tinker, one of the plaintiffs in a precedent-setting Supreme Court ruling from 1969, spoke at Ithaca College last week. WICB correspondent Bronte Cook has the details.
3: So I'm very excited that you're all here tonight to hear from Mary Beth Tinker. Please join me in welcoming them. In
6: 1965, Mary Beth Tinker and five of her fellow classmates walked into school with black bands on their arms in protest of the Vietnam War. They were 13 years old. The school suspended them, and in response, the students sued the school district for their freedom of speech. The case was ultimately brought to the Supreme Court where it was ruled that the school district had violated the students' First Amendment rights. The case became a milestone for the civil rights movement. And, over 50 years later, her fight with her school district gives students the same freedom of speech that everyone else enjoys. On Tuesday night, Mary Beth Tinker, now 65 years old, visited Ithaca College and told the story of Tinker v. Des Moines, her Supreme Court case. She came to Ithaca first to visit Boynton Middle School after a teacher there emailed her. She talked about a lot of things with the students. She started out with some history on the civil rights movement. I know.
3: Who started the Birmingham Children's movement?: It was amazing. Martin Luther King thought it was pretty amazing too. He said it changed the course of history, and it was the turning point in the civil rights
6: movement. She also talked about the struggles she faced with her case, and the role that her own fight for free speech played in the movement. They,
3: they were throwing red paint at our house. saying we're communists, communists, communists. Everybody's a communist if they don't agree with the government or whatever.
6: But the most important thing she highlighted was that students now can use her case as a call to action.
3: This is a way of life to stand up and speak up when something's not fair, when something's not right. It's why this case has been cited something like 6,000 times in cases having to with student speech rights.
6: Mary Beth Tinker's story has always been important to journalists and to students, but this event was especially significant because of the historical context of her visit.
2: You will not replace
6: This August, white supremacists hit the streets of Charlottesville and rallied to, quote, unite the right. They chanted things like, you will not replace us. Soon after, counter-protesters showed up. On the second day of protests, a car drove into a group of people and killed one counter-protester. But two months earlier, the protests almost didn't even happen. When the city of Charlottesville tried to prevent the rally, they were sued by the American Civil Liberties Union, this organization's main goal is to protect everyone's First Amendment rights. And they said that Charlottesville was restricting the rights of these protesters. But the actions of the ACLU posed a crucial question. Where do we draw the line between free speech and hate speech?
2: You not replace us.
6: A lot of Americans criticized the ACLU for protecting white supremacist marchers. And I can personally understand their criticisms. But, on the other hand, Mary Beth Tinker believes that everyone, regardless of their views, is entitled to the freedom of speech.
0: Do you have a right
3: to be hateful? Do you have a legal right to be hateful? Do do I have a right to say I hate a certain whole group of people? Yes, you do. And that is one thing that really makes our country unique.
6: For WICB News, I'm Bronte Cook.
4: Known for its sticky floors and loud music, this bar on the commons can be packed with students and local residents during the weekends. WICB correspondents Selisa Kalakal and Harrison Malkin give us the insider perspective on Moonies.
0: It's really crowded!
4: That's the sound of
0: Moonshadow Tavern, or better known as Moonies, on a Saturday night. Moonies is the bar of Ithaca College. It's that bar. There's drinks dancing, beer pong, and on Tuesdays, there's trivia night. You can't miss Mooney's on the commons. There's big, glowing, yellow letters that line the facade, and it's just a door down from Michi Pizza and right across from the range.
1: Gross,
7: sticky, um, but fun, nonetheless. You know, we're young people. Yep, that's Ben Beattie, a senior at IC and sort of a resident Mooney's expert. Every year, there's controversy surrounding fake IDs at Mooney's and other bars. But this story isn't about law and order. This story is about Mooney's, the quintessential, sometimes trashy, always sticky bar.
0: Forget Lot 10 or Silky Jones. For some, Mooney's is the go-to bar in spite of its shortcomings. Take Nick, a newbie to Mooney's who loves it but thinks it's kind of, well...
7: It's just, like, one big, like, sausage and, like... There's girls there, but like it's just a lot of guys just hitting. I'm trying to get with girls. Mooney's wasn't always how it
0: is today. Its former vibe was closer to its original name, the Moonshadow Tavern.
7: Chris Washburn started working at Mooney's nine years back, first as a bartender, then manager, and now a DJ. He describes the scene when he first started.
2: So back in 2008, when I first started, it was definitely more of a tavern feel. I mean, I think it still smelled the same way as it does now. Uh, it had wooden tables and benches. There wasn't really much of a dance floor. It wasn't really as much of a um, a late-night destination.
7: But not everyone has the same love for Mooney's as DJ Washburn. Exhibit A, my good friend Rob, who I met at Sammy's, a classic post-Mooney's pizza spot.
5: Well, for one
1: thing, I'm germophobic, So, even when I'm drunk... I enter that place and it's not just the look, it's just the sweaty people around me. It makes me want to just kind of curl up into a ball and hide away forever. (laughs) It's loud. It's loud. It's hot. It's packed. It's not clean. Definitely not clean. It's very sticky. It's just
5: like young sweat, like immature sweat.
0: But you have to remember, this bar is not just for college students. What does it look like to a husband and wife, years out of college, looking into those shining glass windows?
7: It looks like a really cool college party, honestly. Are you about to go in? We're thinking about it. <laughs> As I danced around the commons later that night, I saw the couple trail back. It didn't look like the hit Moonies. Others did.
0: Students in years to come will share a lot with current IC students. They'll order that sugary blue bomber, sit on the VIP couches, and relish in the young, immature sweat. For Harrison Malkin, I'm Sleesa Kalakal, WICB News.
4: We'll be right back after a short break. Coming up, we'll hear from Tisha Bohr, the founder of the Science on Tap series. You're listening to Ithaca Now on 91.7 FM.
1: Uh, Dave, what are you doing? Texting Emily. Look, look, she just sent me a winky face. But you're driving. Yeah, yeah, it's just a quick text, don't worry. I'm a good multitasker. Yeah, well, if you want to live long enough to see her in person, you better put down the phone. (sighs) Fine.
3: Protect your friends, protect yourself. If you see someone texting and driving, speak up and tell them to stop. This message brought to you by WICB and the Ithaca Police Department, encouraging you to drive
8: safely.
4: Welcome back to Ithaca Now. I'm your host, Elena Peach. We're here live in the studio with Tisha Bohr, the founder of the Science on Tap series. Science on Tap is a series that happens every month where community members can get informed about the latest research and technology updates at Cornell University. Tisha, would you mind introducing yourself and talking a little bit about what you're studying?
8: Yeah. Hi. So thanks for having me here. I'm really excited. i um, I am a postdoc in molecular medicine, and I use a worm called planaria as a model to study how stem cells contribute to regeneration of organs after they're injured.
4: And what made you, be, want, to, what made you want to be in this field?
8: Um, well, I've always been fascinated with the natural world, uh, namely how the same unit of life, the cell, can be used for very different processes in different animals. And most intriguingly to me is how some animals have the ability to regenerate and some don't. And I believe that understanding how cells contribute to regeneration in these special animals will allow us to trick our own cells into enabling us to regenerate our, or- our own organs. And um, I also think planarians um, are really fascinating creatures because they have nearly an unlimited ability to regenerate. And this can get almost anyone excited about studying biology. And so it's a really strong teaching tool um, for me to get people engaged in the scientific process who might not have otherwise or who might have previously felt excluded.
4: And talking just, get, I guess, about being included or excluded, so you're part of Graduate Women in Science, and just how would you describe the gender dynamics in the classroom at Cornell University, and maybe how does this compare to the other institutes of higher education that you've studied at?
8: Yeah, um, so the gender dynamics, I think it depends on, um, you know, what field you're in and at what level um, uh, people are at. But um, so I think... Uh, at research-intensive cam- uh, campuses, undergraduates are um, starting to be more equal in gender, and this is even kind of um, translating into graduate studies as well, um, and that's thanks to, you know, awareness um, by groups like GWIS. Um, but when you get to higher levels, um, postdocs and faculty positions, you start seeing um, more disparities within, um, you know, male and female uh, faculty members, um, and so... I think this is because um there are actual psychological and, and physical barriers to women in science. Um and the higher the ladder they climb, the more barriers they come across. And this leads to fatigue and discouragement and so I think we lose a lot of um women in those steps. Um and this these disparities are um actually quite uh more prominent in women who have to battle other stereotypes or for infro- that um come from, you know, women of color or people with disabilities or um, who have different sexual identities that are battling multiple stereotypes, um, you end up seeing a lot fewer of these people at um, high levels of science.
4: And just talking about you and your involvement at Cornell, you said being a part of g So can you talk a little bit about graduate women in science and what made you want to be a part of this organization?
8: Yeah. So... Um, uh, most of my friends and colleagues in science are male, and um, and they're all great but often don't understand how women are treated differently and sometimes can even be the bearer of discrimination in themselves, albeit probably subconsciously. Um, and so this can be very isolating and discouraging. And having access to role models and peers, both male and female, who I relate to, and who have treated me as capable and who are understanding of discrimination have been um, instrumental in my success so far. And additionally, my experiences as a woman in science have allowed me to recognize the existence of pervasive discrimination in science and our society, not just for women, but for other marginalized groups as well. And um, this has invoked uh, a sense of passion in me towards making science more equitable. And, um, I honestly think that no person should ever have to question where they belong or doubt what they're capable of and being a part of G-Wiz allows me to do this by providing support um, strategies and awareness to others so that they can overcome and cope with discrimination and their own biases and um, also it's it's been a huge pillar of support for me in connecting with other female scientists and feeling understood
4: and so talking just I guess about connecting with other female scientists can you talk specifically maybe more about your experience with the organization at Cornell like what are your colleagues in the Cornell graduate women in sciences what are they studying or what are they like Um, they're all um, very nice fun
8: and individualistic type people Um, most of them care a lot about not just you know discrepancies with women in science but um, helping promote inclusivity throughout science to all people and um they're they're in different all types of different sciences you know ecology physics um i i don't know what else but i mean there's a range from you know biology to all the way to like really hard science like physics and um they're just a really fun group of people and care a lot
4: yeah. And talking about being a part of this group, you also mentioned that you want to make sure that the sciences are being inclusive. And so you're the founder and organizer of the Science on Tap series. Can you tell me a little bit more about what this series is?
8: Yes, absolutely. Um, and so our goal with Science on Tap is to make science accessible and exciting to everyone. And so we're trying to bring the research and experts from Cornell down into the community. And we're going to strive to prevent or present this research in a way that's um, understandable and engaging um, but also authentic. So these talks are not going to be unlike what we scientists do normally. Um, we go to seminars and hear about the latest research that our colleagues are are studying, and we get to engage and debate and question with them. And um, that's going to be how it's like for the public to come in and engage with these speakers. And um, we're also going to be featuring a variety of scientific genera- genres. So um, we have topics ranging from physics and astrophysics, like how to build your own spacecraft, and biology like stem cells and vaccines. Yeah.
4: And I have a couple of more questions about this series, but first we're going to take a quick break, and then we can come back and learn more about the Science on Tap series.
3: Want to hear more female artists on the Station for Innovation? Tune in to EVA a variety of female-fronted music, Sunday nights at 8 on 92 WICV.
1: Do you want to help make the world a better place? It's easy when you do it through Finger Lakes Reuse, a 501c3 nonprofit organization in Ithaca. By volunteering, donating, or finding used goods at one of their reuse centers, you can help their mission to reduce waste, relieve poverty, and create free job training opportunities. Think reuse first and learn more at Ithacareuse.org. This message brought to you by WYCB Ithaca.
4: Welcome back to Ithaca Now. I'm your host, Elena Peach. We're here live in the studio with Tisha Bohr, the founder of the Science on Tap series at Cornell University. The Science on Tap series is a monthly event where community members can get informed about the latest research and technology updates at Cornell. Now, Tisha, we were just talking about this series and how you were the founder and organizer of it, and you described a little bit about how the series works, but I was wondering what inspired you to want to start this series at Cornell?
8: Yeah, so um, I think I talked about the goal of it previously, but one of our other goals is to provide relatable scientific role models to the public, and so we're really striving to get a very diverse group of speakers that study a range of scientific concepts, and um, this year we focused on recruiting quite a lot of women speakers, but in the future we hope to diversify further.
4: Yeah. And talking about this year's series, can you give me a little bit of a preview of maybe who might be some of the different speakers that are speaking at these monthly events?
8: Yeah, um, so we have a few speakers from immuno- immunology. One is going to talk about how um, parasites um, might help uh, immune responses in humans in developing countries. Um, we have another one talking about vaccines, the history of them, um, what's in them, are they safe? Um, are they, are, you know are they still viable options um, for preventing disease? Um, Another one is a professor who studies um, how to make, how to democratize democratize, um, uh, space travel. And so he's going to give a talk about how you could build your own spacecraft and travel to the cosmos. So that's just a few examples.
4: And how did you decide what professors to feature at the series?
8: Um, Like I said, uh, this year we focused on recruiting a lot of women speakers, and since it's a new um, event, uh, we kind of just tried to go around and uh, plant seeds and see who would be interested in in presenting. Um, And so I hope that with more, um, you know, when people are more knowledgeable about it and know more about the event, that we'll be able to recruit uh, more speakers from different topics.
4: In talking about the event, I understand that there is an event happening on Wednesday, am I correct? Yes. And that's with Dr. Drew Har- Harville? Harville, yes. So can you talk a little bit about what's going to happen at this event on Wednesday? I can.
8: Um, Drew Harville is a professor of ecology and evolutionary biology, and she's going to take us on an adventure, Merging Science, Art, History, and Marine Conservation, so 150 years ago, the Blaschka family created these intricate glass models of marine invertebrates that um, enabled the study of these delicate creatures that could not otherwise be documented or well-preserved. And so Dr. Harville going to tell us about how she's been using them to um, compare ocean biodiversity of 150 years ago today by searching out there and studying their live counterparts. Um, and this subject is also... Um, featured in a short documentary called Fragile Legacy um, and Dr. Harville's recent book, A Sea of Glass, both of which have won awards. And um, the screening of the film is going to be at Cinemopolis on Tuesday, the night before Science on Tap. And I believe Dr. Harville will also have copies of her book on hand at Wednesday Science on Tap. And if anyone wants to get those signed, I think she'd be happy to do it. And there's one more thing I want to mention about Dr. Harville's talk is that um, there's currently an exhibit at the Cornell's Johnson Museum featuring some of the Blaschka glass models and entrance is free to the public.
4: And so talking about the event on Wednesday, would you say that it's aimed maybe more towards people who kind of might have some sort of background and are looking to learn more about a specific field? Or is it something where it might take this very specific topic and try to explain it in simpler terms?
8: Yeah, I don't think that um, any of the people who would come would need any background in the in the topic. It's really geared towards um, the general public. And um, like, if I were to go to a talk on spacecraft, I would have no idea about how to do that or how to go about it. And so, um, even as a scientist, depending on the uh, topic, you know, you're not going to have the expertise to really understand unless someone delivers it to you in a in a way that isn't full of technical jargon.
4: And if somebody wants to go to find more information about the series that is taking place on Wednesday, where could they go to find this information? Um, They could go to
8: our GWIS website, which is org, or they could go to our Facebook page, Graduate Women in Science Ithaca, and um, the events are posted there.
4: Well, thank you, Tisha. And if our listeners are interested in hearing more about this event on Wednesday and they might not be able to make it, on next Sunday's episode of Dub Ithaca Now, I will be doing a recap of the Science on Tap event. And so Tisha thank you for talking to us um, that's all that we have for this edition of Ithaca Now you can listen to all of our stories on WICV.org and if you would like to listen to a past broadcast subscribe to us on iTunes at the podcast store and before we go we have some thank yous for tonight the manager of television and radio operations Jeremy Menard our station manager Alex Bredikin our news director Peter Cimpelli and our correspondents Bronte Cook Will Carlson Hannah Brasinger Salissa Kalakel, and Harrison Malkin and all the music from our show today comes from Dr. Dundiff, hailing from Louisville, Kentucky. Thank you for joining us and have a wonderful week. I'm Elena Peach, and you've been listening to Ithaca Now on WICB.